Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. church how y'all doing this morning Woo, yeah it's great to be here this morning uh, we are starting a new sermon series called binder messages and a little bit of an explanation on that uh, these are the sermons that that we have made notes on you know we, we sit and listen to people and we are we reading passages and we take notes and we think that would be a great sermon and then we stick it in our bible or we stick it in a binder and maybe we just haven't had a chance to preach those yet, or they didn't fit within a series that we were doing, and yet there are things that are on our hearts. And so Pastor Phil is doing a summer series called The Binder Messages, and so he'll be sharing some of those of his messages with you in the coming weeks. Uh, but for me today, um, I get to do that and start us out. And for me, when I think of, uh, if you go through my Bible, you look at the notes in my Bible, a lot of the things that I write about or jot down have to do with Jesus and how he interacted with people, right? That kind of captivates me. I don't know about you, but when I, when I study Jesus, I think, what? you know, he's just did some amazing things. And how he interacted with people while he was on earth, it, it's just, it's mind-boggling to me how people just were drawn to him. And, and as Christians, you know, um, hopefully we model that as well, right? Um, how many of you have been watching The Chosen? Any of you? Okay. Everybody else that didn't raise their hand, you need to go check that out, okay? Um, I, when I first heard about it, I was a little bit skeptical. How can anybody ca um, capture Jesus on a small screen? And yet, they've done it. Um, it is just a phenomenal series that is kind of bringing Jesus to life, bringing the disciples to life, uh, helping you to see them as very much real people instead of just these one-dimensional people on your, on your Bible page. They really come to life, and I've been really enjoying that, the dynamics about how he's dealt with people. And so what happened is, as I started watching that, it led me to, uh, a to kind of for my own personal self-study, to kind of focus in on the red letters in the New Testament. For those of you who have all black letters in your Bible, some Bibles have these red letters, which are the words of Jesus. And so I've been kind of focusing on what did Jesus say, what did he, what were the questions he asked, what were the things that he did. And so I've been in the book of Mark, and so when I was studying this week, um, I was looking at how Jesus engages with the world around him. And I encountered these notes in Mark chapter 10 that I had developed a number of years ago uh, for uh, my Sunday morning class. And I wanted to take a look at it again and kind of speak on that today. And so that's my binder message is about a question that Jesus asked in Mark chapter 10. And um, one of the things that I like about Jesus is he was always asking questions, right? He was never, you know, he was like, Jesus, just tell us, right? Just give us the answer. But instead, Jesus was frequently asking questions. He, was, he, answer, he answered questions with questions. Have you ever noticed that? Doesn't that just irritate you? Right? I ask you a question, you're giving me another question. 
But that's how Jesus was. And his disciples, they were like a variety of people, right? Uh, uh, all sorts. They were mostly clueless. Have you noticed that? They're mostly clueless. There's a lot of questions like, do you understand? <laughs> Are you so dull? Right? There's a lot of questions. And I love that because there was, they were so um, vastly different that each of us can find one to relate to. Right? How many of you have a favorite disciple? Right? You, you've got somebody that you kind of relate to. It might be good, might be bad, right? Some of you, you maybe your person's Peter. You always have something to say, but you don't know what you're talking about, right? There's always some of those, lots of great character qualities, but we've also got those, uh, some of those things we go, yeah, I kind of relate too much to him. But um, Jesus often talked to his disciples, it, asking them questions, mostly to try and bring them out of self-absorption, right? If, if you're honest with yourself, you know, a lot of times we find ourselves kind of self-focused, right? We don't mean to be, but we find ourselves kind of, how does this affect me? How does this relate to me? And so Jesus was often asking questions to help to point them to something that was far bigger than themselves, right? Asking them like, hey, what's, what's at the, the bottom of all of this? Like, for instance, like he wanted to reframe the discussion with them. So when Jesus asked the disciples things like, who do people say that I am? Well, what he was really inviting them to do is examine their own beliefs, right? Not only do what are other people saying, but hey, what about you? Where are you at? What are you thinking? Um, when he asked them, do you, how much bread do you have when they were going to feed the 5,000? He was kind of basically saying, you really don't, you don't have nearly enough. So what are you going to do? Who are you going to rely on to provide when you don't have even remotely enough? He asked questions like, why are you afraid? He was asking, who, who are you going to rely on to protect you? Who are you going to trust in? He asked questions like, to the disciples, he would say, are you confused? And they would always say, yes, right? And so would many of us, if we were looking to the Bible, are you confused? Yes, I'm confused about this. Um, why do you doubt? We don't know. We do, right? Uh, do you love me? What a great question. You know, I think Jesus would ask us, do you really love me? You know, he asked Peter that. And that's a question for us. And nothing works better than an honest, soul-searching question to get us kind of to uh, examine our own lives, right? Um, a true friend will ask a question. Not to manipulate us, but the question that invites us to look deeper into ourselves. Um, they may ask it like this. What are you doing? Right? What's going on in that head of yours right now? right? Your friends that kind of will ask you those tough questions and force you to examine, yeah, what am I doing right now, right? Some of us have had those encounters with our friends where we're like, yeah, I don't actually know what's going on right now in my head. I need to get a grip, right? But um, Jesus is that friend to us in the New Testament. He gives all kinds of questions that he asks the disciples and he asks the people he encounters, but it's all recorded so that we can ask ourselves these same questions. And they will challenge us to uh, examine what really are our motives. What really is it that's going on inside of us? And, um, and I think Jesus didn't ask this question in the Bible, but I think he might have. It seems in keeping with him. But I think he would say, if he was looking at your life, he would say, well, how's that working for you? Right? Some of us, we're, we're in these places where, how's that working in your spiritual life? How's that going? How's that working in your relational life? What is it that's going on inside of you? What is it um, that's important to you? And so today we're going to look at a question that Jesus asked in Mark chapter 10. He asked it twice 
two different moments, back-to-back encounters in Mark chapter 10. And the the encounters had, the people um, who he's talking to had very different motives. There was very different outcomes for for each encounter. And the question was this, what do you want me to do for you? Right? So does any question cut quicker to what's really true in us? What do you want me to do? What do you want? Some of you haven't asked that question in years. You just have been going along. You don't even know what you want. You're just kind of treading water, right? But that question leaves us exposed, right? If we answer it truthfully, it tells a lot about us. I remember one time when I was um, in uh, overseas as a missionary, and I had someone came up and said to me, "What is it that you truly, truly want?" And I knew what the right answer was. I want to be closer to Jesus, right? That's the right answer. Jesus is always the answer to every question at church and on the mission field, right? And uh, so I knew that was the answer, but they said to me, what do you really, really want? And I'm like, oh, if I tell you what I really want, it's kind of going to make me vulnerable. And it's kind of going to be a little too transparent. And they said, but do, what do you really want? And so my answer was, I, I want to be married. And I'm like, oh, like even today, I wasn't going to tell you that. I was going to make up a question. But, um, but that was the thing that was really on my heart at that time was like, this is what I want and this is the desire of my heart. But see, what happens is when we really get deep in our hearts and we start asking, what do I want? It exposes some things about us, both good and bad. And we're going to see that in the encounter today between these two, these two situations with Jesus. The word want is a very uh, popular word. We, we use it so much we don't even think about it usually. Um, I want nachos. Anybody with me? I want nachos. Uh, I want to play golf, right? I want a, a job I love. I want world peace, right? We have all these things I want, I want, I want. Um, and, you know, a lot of times if we stack them all up, we go, well, I don't really want that much, right? We would say things like, is it asking too much for, right? We don't necessarily, we have all these wants, but they're not weighty. And, um, and when Jesus, or when God speaks the word want, it's a weighty word. What do you want? The word that's used there in the Greek is thalo, and it means this. It means what do you desire, what would delight you, and what, would you, what do you long for, right? These are weighty words. What do you desire? What, what would delight you, right? And some of you are like, nachos would delight me. But... Um, but it is a, it's, a, it's a much bigger thing than just what do I want at the moment. It's what am I passionate about? What am I hoping for? And God is eager to hear what your heart craves. Right? You have a God who wants you to wrestle with this. He wants to hear what, what, what gives you joy. He wants to know what's captured your hope. What is it that you are like, just this is, this is it, Lord. This is who I am. It's who you created me to be. What captures your imagination? What gives you energy? And, um, and at the end of it all, God wonders this. Do you want him? Are you passionate about him? Or is he just another list on the nachos, golf, world peace, and a relationship with the Lord? Right? And so he says, do you desire me? Do you delight in me? Do you long for more of me? These are the questions that he wants us to wrestle with. So we're going to look in Mark chapter 10. Let's go there right now if you have your Bibles. If not, it'll be up on the screen. Jesus and the disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. 
and they're going to pass by a blind man who's begging and hoping for a few coins to be tossed his way. Day after day, same thing, same thing, sitting out, collecting coins, going back, sleeping, starting all over again. And the beggar can't see who's coming, but he hears that there's a commotion, right? As a big crowd is coming through, it's a little more chaotic than normal. And he catches the name Jesus. He hears that Jesus is coming. And upon hearing that the, the prophet is coming, right, Jesus is on his way down the street, he, he's heard the stories, okay, they've been circulating through the town, he's heard the stories of his healing people, of, of delivering people, and he can't help himself, right, he's going to shout out, okay. Let's pick it up in Mark 10, verse 46, it says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So he's yelling, have mercy, son of David. And the title that the beggar gives to Jesus is a messianic title that's like rich in history. And so from his childhood, this guy would have been hearing about the Messiah that was coming, right? And he is recognized, even as a blind man, he is recognized that the man who's coming down the street is the son of David. He is the Messiah, the long-awaited one. And he knows that he's, been, that he's been taught that he is going to come and save Israel, bring healing, bring restoration. And here Jesus is. He hears he's on the street. And what happens in him is hope and desire rise up in this man. He's like, oh my goodness, the Messiah is on the street. I can hear his name. I know he's coming. And so even though he's blind, he sees what a lot of people are missing, and that's who really is coming down the road, right? And a lot of people are missing who Jesus is. They're looking for a show, but this guy understands this is the Messiah, and I need to get to him, right? So what happens, he's desperate. He knows he needs the presence of Jesus, so he's going to shout it out. Uh, all the more, Savior, Messiah, have mercy on me. He's trying to get Jesus' attention above the crowd. So you can imagine that he's kind of starting to make a scene, right? In verse 48, I love this. It says, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, right? But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Like, and Jesus says, he hears his name, he hears the title, he goes, oh, he's talking to me. Get him. Go get him. Bring him over here. It says, so they called the blind man, and they said, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling to you. And by the way, do you not love how a crowd can change from shut up to, hey, good job, buddy, come on, right? Because all of a sudden, Jesus is uh, interested. So now, yeah, yeah, we were totally on that. Jesus, let's go get him. So, um, right, the crowd, they turn. But so, the, you know, when, when the crowd starts to tell him to be quiet, you know, isn't it annoying when the people who are supposed to be quiet don't stay quiet, right? And yet here he is, he's like, I am going to yell out, and I love it. He shouts out all the louder. Why? When you're desperate, you refuse to be silenced. Think about that. When you're desperate, you refuse to be silent. You're not going to let anything get in the way from where you are and where you need to be. And it works, so Jesus hears him, and he gets up, and here comes the all-important encounter in verse 50. It says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet. He came to Jesus. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. 
right? So this is, it, it was an immediate response. Uh, Bartimaeus had had years to sit and figure out what he wants, right? He says, I, it's been dark too long. I want to see. And so when Jesus asked him, he says, I want to see. And Jesus' response was just as quick, go, your faith has healed you. I love this because Bartimaeus has been sitting there for a lot of years with a lot of expectation of nothing, right? He could just, he's sitting there, he's collecting money. He could have thought small. He could have thought, well, what would make my life easier? Well, if I had more money, maybe I need a better house, uh, you know, food every day so I don't have to be out here begging. He could have thought of those things. He could have asked a more reasonable request. And haven't some of us been told that we need to be more reasonable? When we're seeking the Lord and we're expecting God to do things and people, well-meaning people will go, you know, maybe you should think more realistically. Can I just tell you, don't listen to those people, okay? So um, he could have asked a more reasonable request, but he didn't because he knew what his issue was. He knew he was blind and he wanted to see. And so Bartimaeus was very well aware of his need, right? And he knew exactly what he wanted. And for many of us, we don't know. Uncovering our deepest desires can be challenging. The reason is simple. Over the years, our hearts have been smothered and forgotten and shamed into hiding. Don't want that. Don't say that. You really don't need that. We've been told by the world around us what to just uh, to, to push things down. Our true desires often lie buried under years of disappointment, right? Things that, the disconnection, fear of being let down again. And our culture, we're addicted to shallow passions. We're addicted to the immediate gratification of lesser things. Well, just stay happy. Just have a good meal. Just don't worry about it, right? Don't go pursuing crazy things. Just enjoy life like, like the rest of us, right? Bartimaeus didn't want to be like the rest of us. He wanted Jesus. And, um, and I've learned over the years that if you want to really know someone, you're going to have to uncover what their heart longs for, right? He, he, Jesus wants to do that. He wants to take time with each of you to say, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus was always in search of conversations through the New Testament. You look at people like uh, the woman at the well and Nicodemus and the rich young ruler and every time he encountered them, he asked those questions in search of what's at the heart of you, right? And I would say to you today that Jesus is asking that question of you. What's at the heart of you? What do you want me to do for you? Um, that's not a question most of us are used to being asked, right? We ask, look, we ask what do you want in the, do you want vanilla or chocolate sort of way, right? It's like simple. Do you want this or that? And he says, no, no, dig deep. What do you really want? Um, ask yourself this. When was the last time that you were curious enough about another person's soul to ask them what they want or hope for or what brings them to tears or what makes them laugh? When's the last time you sat down across from someone and said, hey, what do you want? And I'm ready to listen, right? Might be a long time for a lot of us. When was the last time someone was curious enough about you? to ask you those same things, to say, what's going on inside of you? See, unfortunately, I've lived long enough, and so have a lot of you, to realize that our life experience tends to kill our desires, not encourage them, right? Remember back when you were a kid, when you would live with abandon, 
right? Everything was wonderful and amazing, and you didn't care that people were watching. Your parents might have cared that people were watching you, but you didn't care, right? Um, those uh, those um, Facebook videos, YouTube videos of the kids, usually at church, doing stuff out of the ordinary. I was watching a couple last night, and they're dancing, and they're they're like just, they don't care, right? The parents are like, oh my gosh, what's happening, right? They, I, somebody settle my kid down. But the kids are just up there having a great time. And um, somewhere along the way, people have squashed that in us, right? We, we don't want to want too much. We don't want to look foolish. So we listen to the voices of the world. We listen to what people say and we go, okay, I really wanted to go crazy right now, but I won't, right? Sometimes, I love Pastor Ryan, when he was, even when he was talking about it, he goes, yeah, it's amazing, right? God's amazing. And we're like, oh, yes, yes, he is. I forgot for a second, right? We sometimes, we get lulled into things because of the people around us. We become um, disconnected from the desires that we have in our hearts. And George Meyer, the creator of The Simpsons, he described his goal as this, and I loved it. He says he wanted to be one who would chase down his passions, wrestle them to the dirt, and ride them like an ostrich. I love that. How many of us would love to, like, I'm going to wrestle down my desires, and I'm going to chase after the Lord like I'm riding an ostrich? How awesome would that be? Some of you are like, no, no, not sure. But I think it would be great. But here's the thing. I wrote down some of the things that I would like and want to live a little bit maybe different. I want us to be someone who sings louder than I should. Anybody with me? You're like, I really, thank you, right? I want to sing loud. I'm not a great singer, but I want to sing loud, and who cares, right? But some of us are like, oh, people next to me. Right? We do this. Um, I want to dance as if I'm good. I'm not. Any good dancers? How many, how many of you are Elaine from Seinfeld? Right? You're with me? Okay. So I want to dance as if I'm good and everyone wants to see my moves. That's how I want to live, right? Um, here's another one. I want to run after God like I'm a blind man who knows my only hope of seeing is to get to Jesus. That's what I really want. I want to run after him like, hey, this is it. This is my chance. I got to get there. I want to risk and hope with reckless disregard for safety. I just want to do what I do. And, um, and sometimes we live in a world that's, that tries to keep us quiet, says don't dance like that, don't sing so loud, don't do this, and we can get silenced, right? But Bartimaeus didn't allow that. Now let me flip for a moment because not every desire is good, right? Not everything that we want is always for our benefit. And so Mark provides a contrast to this story of the blind beggar um, and he t in Mark chapter 10, immediately before Bartimaeus' story, we see an encounter that Jesus has with James and John. Let's go to 35, verse 35 and read that. It says, Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do whatever we ask. Do for us whatever we ask. Well, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said right? He says, uh, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Foolish answer, by the way. But um, he says, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. So he says, listen, they come to him and they go, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Talk about audacious, right? 
that in, and Jesus surprisingly doesn't just shake his head and walk away. He allows them to ask the question. He says, listen, great, um, let's, uh, let's examine what it is you desire. Let's talk about this. So he says to them the same question that he asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And they say, we want the, the highest places of honor. And I think Jesus' response maybe would have cut them a little short when he said, you have no idea what you're asking, right? They're, they're, um, he says, I'm offering a relationship. You're with me. You're on, the, you're on the cutting edge of the kingdom being announced. I've given you grace and mercy beyond imagination. And you're jockeying for seating arrangements. You're worried about what's going to happen down the road. And I think what he's saying to them is your desires are too small and too self-focused. And um, you have to ask, is that really all they wanted? Just a seat of honor someday? I wonder, and I wonder this a lot about the disciples, if they woke up in the morning and went, did we do that? Did we really ask Jesus about sitting at his right and left? I mean, was that just a dream? Please tell me that was a dream, right? And uh, so they, they kind of... They say things that are crazy, but I love that Jesus wants to pull our desires to the surface and say, is that really it? Let's examine this. Is this really what you want? Is this what you're hoping for? See, James and John had no idea what they really wanted. They weren't like Bartimaeus. They weren't necessarily fully engaged in seeing everything. And so Jesus wasn't impressed because they didn't recognize their own blindness. They didn't realize that what they were looking at was far too small for the God who they were with. It was far too self-centered. And uh, so Jesus loved Bartimaeus's request because it was honest and raw and brave. And he knew he was blind and he knew he needed help and he didn't mind asking and he led with his greatest desire. Um, in, in the book of Mark, the fact that we know Bartimaeus's name is kind of an uncommon thing. And I think there's a really important reason why we know it. Mark doesn't provide the name of anyone else that Jesus heals in the whole book. But he's like, this guy, Bartimaeus, was so passionate that he wants, Mark wants us to know who he is. And he even tells us he's the son of Timaeus, right? And his name literally means son of honor. I love that. It means son of honor. God wants to, um, to, to honor him. He lifts him up. He heals him. The blind man who's been pushed to the fringe of society, the one who nobody was paying any attention to, he clung to those untamed hopes that were in him that someday the Messiah was going to come and he was going to restore and he was going to heal. And ironically, he receives exactly what James and John were trying to get, honor, right? So they went about it from a selfish perspective and he went about it from, I just need to get to Jesus. And he ends up with honor and they end up with a rebuke, right? And here's the thing, God wants to honor our desires. He, he wants to know what you want. He wants to hear what is going on in your heart. Why? Because he created you. He says, I want to know what's, what you're passionate about. And uh, he says, but sometimes we're going, I don't even know. We are a lot like the disciples going, well, I kind of want this. Maybe this would be great. And he's like, really? That's what you're hoping for? That small? And maybe some of us will be challenged this week when he says, hey, what's really at the bottom of your heart? What is it that you really want? Right? So here's some things. Is it okay? Sometimes I think we evaluate what's appropriate. Is it okay to want a marriage that's fantastic? Yes. Is it okay to want an amazing job that you love to go to every day? Yes. Is it okay that God want, you want God to use you to do amazing miracles? Or you want to make good money so you can do everything that God puts in your heart? Yes, those are fine. And what if people judge you? 
Well, they will. But what if you live with abandon and you go, I don't care. I want this. I want, I want a marriage that makes everybody look to the Lord because it's only by his grace that we are in such a place, right? I want to do amazing things because God empowers me. But too often, we, we try and remember what we're supposed to feel and we keep it in check and we try to be calm. We try not to get out. Uh, we try not to make too many waves. And I would say Jesus came and made waves, right? What is it that you want? He's asking you, what do you want me to do in and through you? What's the deepest desire of your heart? So here's the thing. What if when you get to uh, the, you start to ask yourself and you realize that your desires are kind of motivated by yourself? Eh, what do we do then? Right? Well, we just surrender them to the Lord and we say, listen, Lord, I want to give you this. I, wanna, I want my desires to be more in line with what you want. Help me to, to focus on something deeper, focus on something bigger. I need to wrap this up here, so let's, let's go to verse 50. I want you to see something really important. In verse 50, it says, Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Bartimaeus threw his cloak aside. When he decided he was going to run after Jesus, he threw his cloak aside, and the cloak was vital to a beggar. It was what would keep him warm when it was cold and dry during the rainy season. It's what he would spread out to sit on during the day and how he would collect his things. It was probably his only one true possession. But here's what Bartimaeus said. What is this, this coat? What is safety? What is self-protection? And a few meager coins when the God of hope is calling my name. And I wonder sometimes as we're asking, I'm asking you what it is that's one of the deepest desires in your heart. If some of us aren't like, but I can't let go of the stuff I've been holding on to for safety. I can't let go of those things that have been my comfort and the things that I've kind of banked on. And he says, no, I want to do something new in you. I want you to tell me what it is that really is resonating in your heart. I want you to take risks. I want you to hold on to the hope giver instead of this old thing that has not been working for you. Or maybe it's been working, but you realize that it's not everything that God wanted for you. Maybe some of you have some things that are buried deep inside of you that you're like, who, should I dare let those out? Do I dare hope again? Yes, because you have a Savior who says, what do you want me to do for you? What is it that we can do together? How can I pull out the greatness in you? Some of us, we've gotten to living with shallow living. We've been, we've been, we've been content with far too little. We have a God who says, I am the God of the universe. I came to, to, uh, to heal. I came to, uh, to bring life to you. And we're going, I've been settling for stuff far too little. As we close today, the question is, where do you find yourself in this story? Right? Are you a uh, blind Bartimaeus where you're like, I heard about Jesus and I got to go and I got to be with him. By the way, Bartimaeus didn't just want to see he wanted to be with Jesus, and how do I know that? Because when Jesus said, go, you are healed, Bartimaeus, it says immediately, it says he was healed and he followed. He said, I want to stay where the answers are. I want to stay where the giver of hope is, where the one who brings life is, right? And see, here's the, the amazing thing. The God who was talking to Bartimaeus is talking to you. And he says, "I, what do you want? What do you want me to do? Have you been wasting away in small thinking 
Have you been thinking about stuff that's just too self-focused and he's challenging you today to go, what is it you really want? What's deep inside of you? Because he created you with an identity and a purpose and things that are supposed to be rising up inside of you and you've maybe allowed the world to shut those down. He says, I want to bring those things to life. I want to do amazing things. I want you to be able to say when Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? You go, I want to see because I've been blind. I want to, I want to, do something with you, God. And if you've never asked that question, today's a great day to ask it. This week, sit down in your times with the Lord and say, Lord, what is it that I really want? And then when you figure it out, my hope and prayer for you is that you will run after Jesus and run after those things like the blind man who knows his only hope of seeing is to get to Jesus. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me, that we would live with abandon we would just like, uh, whatever, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dance, I'm going to sing, I'm going to do whatever you called me to, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, and I'm not going to let people silence me because I'm desperate for you. That's my prayer for you, my prayer for me. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity to come in and be in relationship with you, that Jesus came and that he asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? And Lord, I pray for every person here that, that that uh, answer is that they want you, that we come to discover that all the things that we desire really are rooted in a desire for you, a desperate need to know you. And Lord, would we run after you like we're riding an ostrich? Would we run after you like it's the, that we're just desperate people and we need you? And Lord, would you respond to those requests as only you can by loving us? In Jesus' name. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.